Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody, to our October House Calls. It's that time of month again. It's our time to reflect, reminisce, recharge, reinvent, and respond responsibly. All those R's. Let's, we're going to have a great t- show today, and we've got a lot of good energy here in the studio. In a lot of ways, I consider this show my radio therapy. It's good for me, and hopefully it's good for you, my listeners. So that's why I remain radioactive. I know, those are really bad puns. Boo. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with my honorable mentions. I don't like to shout, so I don't do shout-outs, so I do honorable mentions. I'm going to first mention... My youngest son, Jason Stevens, who is in Minneapolis, he completed his first marathon a week and a half ago. He ran the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, and he did it in four hours, 24 minutes. I don't think I can do anything in four hours, 24 minutes. I can probably shop. That's a long time to be running. He trained about five months to do that with his friends from World Vision Group, and all five of his buddies with Jason ran across the finish line holding hands, and I thought that was so incredible. They raised money for clean water in third world countries. So kudos to Jason for that. We had such a great time cheering him on and cheering all the people. And it's funny, they were giving you talking points about what not to say to somebody who's running a marathon, like, don't worry, buddy, you got another 23 miles to go. Don't say that. Or, you know, three more hours to go. You're supposed to say, looking good, nice form, you can do it. And then Jason's girlfriend, Aaliyah, had a sign that said, nice quads. So she was really cheering him on. I also want to do an honorable mention to a dear friend of ours who's been a frequent guest in our show, doctor and retired Rear Admiral Dick Ridenour, who is having a birthday today. So happy birthday, Dr. Ridenour. Another honorable mention to all of you out there who've gotten your flu shots. Yes, it's that time of year as we get into the fall season, and we're going to do our daylight savings time Actually, Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time. Everybody around us does it except for Arizona and Hawaii. used to be Indiana. So when I think of daylight savings time, I think, oh, it's time to get your flu shots, which I did last week. So when's the best time to get your flu shots? And they recommend the months of October and November since it takes about two to three months for your antibodies to rise and so that when everybody is sick in December, January, February, you are immunized. So definitely go out there and get it, especially for the older groups, like in my population of patients, the 65 and older, they tell you to get the high-dose flu shots. Definitely for children, you should get your immunizations against flu so that we don't spread it through everybody. So that's important. But I think the topic today that we're going to talk about, and hopefully nobody will fall asleep listening to this, is about sleep. And sleep is vital. We all need sleep. You know, you realize you spend about a third of your time in this life asleep. And that's actually in an ad. You've seen them give those ads about if you're going to spend a third of your life asleep in bed, you better have a comfortable beauty rest or Weston dream bed or one of those because it's important, right? So you got to have good sleep, whether it's 16 hours a night as infants, nine hours a night as sleep for teens, or seven to eight hours as adults. It's important. I pulled up some interesting, fun material about sleep that maybe will surprise you. Cleveland Clinic had a, had a website where they talk about 
about sleep and some interesting facts. And I don't know, if, we'll see if our, our expert, Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, who's with us today, can refute some of this or support this. One of the things they talk about is research, research shows that you'll sleep better during a new moon worse, and worse during a full moon, although the reasons are unclear. It takes you less than five minutes to fall asleep at night. If that happens, you're probably sleep deprived. So if you fall asleep in less than five, you're, you're really sleep deprived. That sounds like me. Ideally, falling asleep should take 10 to 15 minutes. I think this is cute. Sea otters hold hands when they fall asleep so they don't drift apart from each other, which is really cute. Tiredness peaks twice a day at 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. That's why when you get back from lunch, you're really tired. I wonder if people in the OR, you know, are in the OR after lunch, how they do in those cases. If, do you have trouble waking up on Monday mornings where they say blame social jet lag from your altered weekend sleep schedule? Know that we are the only mammals that willingly delay sleep. That's true. Stress, physical or mental illness, living or sleeping arrangements, family history, shift work, diet and exercise habits can all cause insomnia. That's true. They say that finding it hard to get out of bed in the morning is a real condition called dysania. Dysania, that's interesting. It may signal a nutritional deficiency, depression, or other problems. Insomnia is not defined by the sleep you lose each night, but by the drowsiness, difficulty concentrating, headaches, irritability, and other problems it causes a day. Uh, English bulldogs are the only canines known to suffer from sleep apnea. Interesting a breathing disorder where they stop breathing throughout the night. It's unusual airway anatomy in these dogs is the reason they have short snouts and underbites, so poor bulldogs. Being awake for 16 hours straight decreases your performance as much as if your blood alcohol level were 0.05%, so you're dangerous out there. In the 17th century, getting up in the middle of the night was normal. People slept in two segments divided by an hour or two of alertness Time for reading, praying, intimacy, or socializing with others. Doing without sleep is likely to make you hungry as levels of leptin, an appetite-regulating hormone will fall. You're less likely to have a traffic accident when daylight savings times ends. Statistics show that the extra hour of sleep reduces accidents. That's amazing, that's an interesting thing. Sleeping on the job is less of a problem in Japan. Companies may accept it as a sign of exhaustion from overwork. I guess they compensate you for that. <laughs> Some rental car contracts make you promise not to drive on fewer than six hours of sleep. I've never signed that, that's interesting. Insomnia is often a normal part of grieving, I've had that. Taking sleeping pills can disrupt this natural process, I don't do that. Regular exercise usually improves sleep patterns, that's true, so remember that, exercise is key. Whales and dolphins literally fall half asleep. Each side of their brain takes turns so they can come up for air, so they don't drown. And then number 22 on their list of important things from Cleveland Clinic is one of our biggest distractions is 24-hour internet access. So get those cell phones out of your bedrooms or turn them off or put them away. You're not supposed to be checking your email before you go to bed, which, which I do, which I shouldn't be doing. So, so let's talk about sleep. I talked about how it's important. It's important for development. It's important for your well-being. It's important for, for longevity. It impacts brain development, especially in children. Definitely mental function, well-being, your weight, because poor sleep puts you at risk for obesity. So our guest today on our show is Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, 
who I've had the pleasure of meeting in June. We were attending the Harvard course on publishing there, and she was in the audience, and we got to meet, and she reached out to me via email as I was trying to figure what I was going to do for this show. And she was happy to share with me that she had just published a book, which we're going to talk about. But let me tell you about our special guest who came all the way out from Fairfield, Connecticut to be with us here in Arizona during our nice time. Originally, we were going to do this show in August, and it was like, no, that would have been too cruel for Linnell to do that. But Linnell, Dr. Linnell is a pediatric sleep psychologist, and we met at Harvard uh, in June. And we're going to talk about a little bit about her background. She's a pediatric sleep psychologist and assistant professor at the Yale School of Medicine. And she's the director of the Be Behavioral Sleep Program at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. She's a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. And she's one of only about 200 board certified sleep psychologists in the country. I think this is important. She's a mom of three. They're all grown out of the house, successful kids, off launching in their own careers. Uh, so she knows both professionally and personally how important it is to help kids become great sleepers. Most sleep books are aimed at parents of babies and toddlers, but Dr. Schneeberg's book was written for the parents of school-aged children. So that's important. I know a lot of you out there have school-aged kids. A striking 80% of preschooler parents say their children sleep needs improvement. So there's definitely a need out there. She published her book, and I have it here in the studio, and it's entitled Become Your Child's Sleep Coach. It's very well written, easy to read, nice artwork, I think. Parents can read it in one night and hopefully get sleep afterwards. Uh, on our website, we posted the information, the link to her website. How can you get a copy of this book? You go on Amazon. You can purchase it on Amazon. So. Welcome, Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, to our show. Thank you. I love being here. How did you get interested in sleep? You know, I was always interested in that area of medicine where psychology and medicine sort of intersect, and nowhere is that more fun to practice than in sleep, right? Because a lot of problems that have to do with sleep can be fixed with psychological principles. And so I just fell in love with that field. Tell us about your background. Where did you train? You, you grew up in Texas and yes, in Dallas. And I did. And then I went to school in Texas, and I went to grad school in Colorado, lived in Boulder for 10 years and had a different career after that. And then I wanted to go ahead and get my graduate degree in psychology, so I trained at the University of Denver, and then I did my internship and residency uh, at Yale and then at Gaylord Specialty Healthcare, which is a rehab hospital that also did sleep medicine. So you, are you teaching medical students at Yale now? Yes, I'm teaching actually the fellows who come through for their sleep medicine fellowship. So do you have a sleep lab that you use? And we do, yeah. We have several around Connecticut that we use. So why did you pick particularly, I mean, you're an expert on sleep, but why that particular niche with children, sleep disorders? You know, what happened was I got really interested in why kids can't sleep. And what I figured out is that parents do two things over and over again with the best intentions you could ever have, but they end up sometimes making the kids worse sleepers. And I thought I could, you know, I could teach parents about this and they could figure out how to help their kids be better sleepers fairly easily and fairly simply. And when I work at the Connecticut Children's Sleep Center, I found that I was writing up almost the same sleep plan over and over again. And I thought, I could teach these five steps. I could teach them in a book, and then anyone could have access to a sleep coach. Because sleep coaches are 
fairly expensive, and they're sometimes hard to find. Yeah, how do people normally find sleep coaches? They, I mean, do pediatricians refer them? And that's exactly how. But there aren't, there are never enough people to help treat insomnia. I always say that the insomnia treatments are great. The only problem with them is there aren't enough people who know how to treat to, them. To do it right. To do it, yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to have you share what are the five secrets to the five tools that you t share in your book. We still want people to buy your book, <laughs> but if you can share it, because we also have in studio a, a mom of three and a member of our family, Erin Stevens, who is my daughter-in-law, married to son Andrew, and she has three little kids. Say hi, Erin. Hi there. <laughs> and she's been on our show before with, about working mom, so she's got full hands, full house. Um, tell us how old the kids are now. Uh, our oldest, Addison, is almost four and a half, and then Alex is two and a half, and Aubrey is 10 months. Do you guys sleep at the house? Does anyone get any sleep at home? <laughs> um, three of us do, not me. <laughs> <laughs> mom never sleeps. It's always mom that loses out, right? Well, this is perfect. We've got the right person here to help you sleep, definitely with, with Aubrey and with you. But doc, Dr. Linnell, let us, t can you share sure, your five absolutely. secrets? We'll take notes. Yeah, I'd be happy to. <laughs> so uh, the first thing that I want parents to do is what I call just prepare the room for great sleep. So a lot of times there might be something in the room that's causing a problem with sleep. And you already mentioned one of the issues, electronics, yeah, right? Yeah. So some parents will turn on a video or something to help them fall asleep, and then the parent will come in and turn it off later after the child is asleep. But the way that a child falls asleep the very first time is that's called, I'm going to use a fancy word here, a sleep onset association. Some people call it a sleep crutch or sleep mm. prop. And however you fall asleep the very first time is what you're going to want in the middle of the night again. Mm. So, and we all wake up. We all wake up four to six times a night at the end of a REM cycle usually. And a child will sort of come up to uh, wake and they'll think, what's missing? Maybe my mom's missing. Maybe um, I was nursed to sleep and that's missing. Maybe the video turned off. Mm -hmm. Maybe I had the a you know, little starlight projector, sh you know, shining stars on the ceiling and that shut off. Some parents turn music on that turn off later. So the room can feel differently when they wake up. So step one is just to take a really close look at the room and make sure that it's really simple. You don't really need much in there. So that's step one. And I work in the book what to remove, what to add. Step one. Step two is just to have a really consistent bedtime routine. And my routine has five steps, having a snack, taking a bath if it's a bath night, or washing up, brushing teeth, bathroom trip, and then I love to end with books. I love to always end with books. And usually I recommend having a set number of books because kids love to stretch that one out, <laughs> don't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then step three is to teach the child how to self-comfort because that's the magic. When a child can self-comfort, then when they wake up in the night, they know how to get back to sleep. And then the fourth one uh, is managing uh, what I call callbacks and curtain calls. And every parent knows exactly what that is. Um, I do have the three kids that you mentioned, and two of them do theater. And so I nickname those callbacks and curtain calls. Good, good terms. Right? Because yeah. it sounds just yeah. like what it is. Exactly. Your child will call you back for 17 things, uh, very creative things usually. You know, my bed feels weird. My left foot itches. <laughs> you know, things. They're su super creative. Um, or you'll think they're asleep and you're, you've gone to the living room and you've turned on your favorite show and then they show up in a curtain call and tell you that they're not asleep sleep yet and they need you for something else. So I have a way to manage that. And then the fifth step is just managing night and early morning wakings because either of those can be pretty disruptive. 
Wow, those yeah. are great. They, they sound you know they sound easy to do, but they're hard to carry through. Could you share briefly before we go to a break, Erin, what you're noticing the the challenges with Aubrey, who's t- almost eleven months old now? Yeah, with <clears throat> excuse me, with Aubrey, I think it's definitely the sleep associations, and we've worked a couple times to break those, and then something happens like teething or a cold, yeah. yeah, and we we kind of slip back again. So it's easy to do. We end up up several times a night trying to get her back down. Get her back down again. Luckily, she goes back down easily, but then like clockwork. 90 minutes to three hours, she's back. Yes, it's very <laughs> common. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to pause. We're going to go to a quick break and then come back. And then we'll have Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, our, our sleep expert, give you some, some guidance as to what to do with a little one about who has trouble with the associations when she wakes up, not being able to fall back asleep. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's house call. Stay awake, stay alert. We want you to listen in on our special show about sleep, especially for school-age children. And then afterwards, I'm going to wind up asking Dr. Uh, Linnell Schneeberg more questions about adult sleep issues, which I've been struggling with too. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's house calls for more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. We're honored to have in studio Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, who is a pediatric sleep psychologist and a professor, assistant professor at Yale School of Medicine. And she's an expert definitely on sleep disorders in children, but also has been able to counsel on adult sleep issues. But she's in studio with Erin Stevens, who uh, is a member of our family. She's our daughter-in-law. And Erin sharing her challenges, her challenges with almost 11-month-old baby Aubrey, who has difficulty falling asleep, and Dr. Schneeberg's going to give her some advice on what to do with a little one. I mean, how to how to manage that so they can all get some sleep at night. Sure. So, Erin, tell me how you get her to sleep the first time. Well, for quite a while, she would. I was rocking her to sleep. Um, I would feed her early in the bedtime routine so that that wasn't the sleep crutch. But then we created a different one by rocking her. Sure. Yeah. Um, And. Uh, then it, it got to the point where I was too tired to even try to do anything different in the middle of the night. I was, I don't even remember the night. Yeah, because it's they, quick, they, right? They bleed together, yeah. so. Yeah, you're right, you're in exhaustion. <laughs> it feels like a sitcom <laughs> montage when yes. I try to remember it. Um, so at this point, I have tried to start to teach her how to fall asleep in her crib from 100% awake without any kind of crutches, so I stay in the room and I try to pat her, shush her, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But it's taking a long time. It's been over a week of trying this and it still takes probably 20 minutes on average for her to give it up. (laughs) You're definitely on the right track though. You're doing great. You're doing great. I might just sit there with a book Mm -hmm. and even though that's really hard and just be there physically but just you already know that I call it peeling the onion, right? Just do a little bit less, peel one, you know, don't do one particular, don't rub her back maybe, and then just put your hand on her back, and then just put your hand next to her, and then have your, mm. be really near the crib, and then move a little bit farther. So you just, just sort of doing, I call it a gradual parent taper. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, you are tapering. Yeah. yeah, that's what you're doing. Her room is almost 100% black, so she yes. can't see me if I'm not touching her. I don't think she can tell if I'm there or not. Uh-huh. Um, so I just kind of sit and wait for her to get upset. A lot of the time she's just, chattering to herself it's not that she's upset uh-huh. so I'm just kind of waiting it out yeah most of the time and if she does get upset I'll tell her to find her binky and I'll help yes. her get it close enough that she can get it yes good you could do the binky sprinkle we call it right where you put a few of them in there but we, she's we have young three, and yeah. two of them are glow in the dark <laughs> <laughs> <You've> definitely <laughs> gone down that road <laughs> you could clip them maybe you've already clipped them and she's 10 months so maybe she's not quite so good at getting it yeah, yeah, she's learning that still. Yeah, that's a hard part, isn't it? That's hard. So you might put a nightlight in there just because she does sort of know you're there. I'm sure she senses that you're there. And then um, you're really just trying to be, it, again, in psychology, we call it non-contingent presence. I'm present, but I'm not really giving you very much mm-hmm. except my presence, which is a, a comfort to her. And looking a little bit more interested in maybe a Kindle or your book, just being present but not mm-hmm. providing so much in the way of help. Mm-hmm. The binky is an issue though, you're right, because if she can't quite get it back, that's frustrating because she's almost asleep and then she might lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. you're past that, I think you're going to be over the most of it. I sure hope so. I really think so. How long does it take? 
Well, <laughs> the the pacifier piece is hard mm. because if she's not independent with it, then Aaron in a way does have to kind of come back or give up the pacifier or just make it so easy to find. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we'll hook them in a very safe way, mm-hmm. hook them somehow into the crib so she can sort of get her way over to it. Um, some people give up the pacifier if it's really, tr- you know, difficult. Yeah. That's its own <laughs> difficult show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I bet you're closer than you think. That's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> but the other two, do they sleep well? Do they, once they're asleep, they do great. Um, Alex has always kind of had some early waking issues. And now that they're sharing a room, huh. he gets Addie up and he actually will wake her up and tell her to come get me. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes sure they're both up. Um, and then Addie's more of the one who will try to keep us around at bedtime. Yes. So we're kind of working on them from both ends. Yeah. Does, uh, could you put something in Alex's crib that he could play with and reward him if he doesn't wake Allie until the little light comes you know how you can set a okay to wake we clock? do we yeah. have yeah they're not supposed to come out till their light turns turquoise perfect and Addie knows that but she when he wakes her up she's yeah like, I wonder if, <laughs> wonder if he could wait you could do a little Alex lamp or something on mm-hmm. a timer mm. and maybe if Alex say hey if you wait till your lamp comes on before you wake Addie X happens yeah, I could try that. You could try it. And at first I would make the light go on really close to the time he's already waking so he gets early success. Mm-hmm. And then I would make it a little bit later, a little bit later, and just go crazy with praise when he when he waits. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, he does have a couple books and stuffed animals in his crib. But Perfect. He, I don't, and I, we probably just need to be more consistent encouraging him to do that yeah. if he wakes up too soon. Sometimes I'll use what's called a morning basket where once he's asleep, you can say, if you don't wake up Addie until your little lamp comes on, every morning you're going to wake up and find a morning basket in your crib, and that could be one little toy or one little thing that he could play with. Well, that's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, clever ideas to mm-hmm. reward them, right? You're uh-huh. giving them the reward for that. Do they nap at all? Alex does. He'll take a maybe up to three-hour nap um, some days, and <laughs> I've actually had to start waking him up because otherwise it He sleeps pretty hard, late. doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Long naps. But Addie doesn't nap anymore, does she? Not anymore. Yeah, yeah, when when the new baby came home, she gave that up. Yeah, we, share what happened with that. That's <laughs> for other parents out there. Yeah, yeah well, I, I learned that right around th- uh, three to three and a half, two things can happen. And first of is that some separation anxiety kind of kicks back up um, as they're learning that there's a relational permanence and they're starting to question. Yes, that's right. Um, if you can't see mom, is she still is she going to come back? So that accompanied by just the all disruption that a newborn in the house has it yeah and totally flustered her sleep she also might think she's having fun with the baby while i'm sleeping <laughs> <laughs> i'm missing out i'm missing out <laughs> yeah so we we went through a phase where she just would not go to bed mm-hmm. and um if we'd leave, she'd turn on her light and just start to play. She was just completely ignoring all of our routines yeah. and habits that we'd had set up before. Right. Um, she better now. That Yes, bedtime yeah. is much better. Good. Uh, we couldn't get naps back after that all happened, but the bedtime is back. Yeah, good. So when I take you all, all of you to Disneyland in the spring, how do we get them to sleep when we go to the hotel? I mean, we're that's our hope to all of us to go to Disneyland and what we'll, Dr. Schneeberg, Dr. Yeah. Linnell, what would you recommend? You, yeah, you can definitely do it. It's a transition like anything, mm-hmm. right? But uh, that's why the second step in my book is the routines because, again, like Pavlov, remember that 
that bell and the food and the dog, right? So that's a called a conditioned response, which means if I do the same thing over and over and over, like your bedtime routine, uh, your child will often just start to begin to get sleepy. That, that routine will cue the sleepiness that you're looking for, and you just lift that whole thing up and bring it to Disney. So you can bring the same books, you can bring the same blankets, you can bring the same special animals, same everything. And, you know, not to say it'll be perfect in Disney, but it'll be pretty good. And when you go home again, you'll get right back to your routines, and they'll be great. Yeah. So we can do it, right? We'll have two separate rooms for the We'll put well. What are you going? What do you do with rooms? What do you want to do with rooms? We have to plan it so that <laughs> so Sally can book the rooms. <laughs> you know, some people get really creative, and if there's a big closet, they'll use if there's a small crib for the baby. Mm -hmm. That can almost be like a mini nursery. Yeah, you know what I mean. Have her own space there. Exactly, her yeah. own little dark space. Yeah, yeah with that. In your practice, you see a lot of children. What commonly do you see for first? for challenges for sleep for school-aged children? Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of them are sort of like us in that they have busy minds when they're getting into bed and we sort of tell them just go to sleep already <laughs> and we can't do that ourselves. And so I'm a huge believer that third step in my book, the teaching them to self-comfort. I have a book in a book light. I recommend that for every child's room, mm. every child over the age of four-ish because even at four, you could look at a picture book and then when you're finished the, with the routine and you've, you're making your way out of the room and your child says, I'm not sleepy, you know, you could say, I know, read till you're sleepy. Oh, good. Read till you're read sleepy. Till you're sleepy. Which is paradox if you hear that, right? You're not saying go to sleep already. Right. You're saying, I know, don't worry, read till you're sleepy. And then when they travel, when they go to a sleepover, their biggest fear is I'll be the last one awake. <laughs> You know, but if they're a reader and they can read till they're sleepy, they don't have to worry about that. Summer camp, the same thing. Different noises outside the cabin, but they can read till they're sleepy. So I love the little headband style reading lights. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? They have yeah. the little light on the front. It's like an excavator, right? Yeah, spelunker or something. Gyne yes, spelunker <laughs> or gynecologist. <laughs> yeah, and that can almost become their little, again, their routine. They can read with their little headlamp and their book, and that can go to... Nana's house, that can go to summer camp, they can go to sleepover, and it becomes their little their, cue. Their ritual, right? Their mm -hmm. sleep ritual for that. And at Disney too, right? What are the hardest, what are the most challenging um, sleep issues that you see in school-aged kids, school-aged children? You know, one of them actually is a medical, which is sleep apnea. Can you share about that? Absolutely. So I would love it if every child who had the diagnosis of ADHD in the mix, people were considering whether or not they had sleep apnea. I'm sorry, whether they had ADHD, mm -hmm. they would rule out sleep apnea. And you know this, as a physician, sleep apnea makes your sleep very fragmented, mm -hmm. very poor in quality. And a child who has poor quality sleep, fragmented sleep, broken sleep, they look like a kid with attention and behavioral issues. So sometimes those kids get put on more than one med even, yeah. and really they just might have big tonsils. Right. That's right. a way easier fix, isn't it? Than putting them on medications. So do you do sleep studies and we do. kids like that, right? We absolutely do. Yeah. And we'll we'll see whether they do stop breathing at night or pause in their breathing at night. And if they do more than once an hour for a child, then we see if their tonsils and adenoids should come out and the the change is almost overnight. Wow. Because mm -hmm. they're not obstructing their airways with their big tonsils. Correct. Their sleep is great again. Wow, isn't that amazing? And they don't have ADHD. They mm -hmm. have they have sleep apnea. They have untreated sleep apnea. Wow, amazing. Yeah. And then I think we were talking about the challenge with the 
Oh, internet yes. access and teenagers they're probably i mean do teenagers sleep you, do, you don't see teenagers they, in your practice <laughs> they are i do see them and they are by far the hardest by far give me a three-year-old any day of the week um, they're so hard so what i do with teenagers is i try really hard to start house rules what i call house rules for electronics which would be um, blocking the blue light on any device you're using, even to do your homework mm -hmm. after dinner. And people know the blue light end of the spectrum is the kind that wakes you. And you can have your laptop or your desktop computer not really show much of the blue light end of the spectrum from dinner time on. And then I love it if everything's off an hour before bed. And then they switch over to a nice relaxing bedtime routine and then reading themselves to sleep. I don't want them lying awake in the dark. I'm not asking that, but I would love it if they would use a book instead of their devices. Good with that. So are you okay, Erin, with everything, with the kids? <laughs> At what point does everybody sleep through the night? Depends. Yeah. Yeah. Addie was 13 months, and she just figured it out by herself over wow. time. She got better and better, and... I always laughed at people who needed, who got sleep coaches. I'm like, just let them do their thing. And then we had Alex. <laughs> <laughs> the we'll universe comes along, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we did a gentle sleep program with him, and he was sleeping through the night about 10 months after that because it got really bad at nine months. Oh, right. uh, but it's probably a week into the plan. He was good. He just needed a couple tweaks. And then, yeah, Aubrey's 10 months, and we're working on it. So I'm hoping by a year we'll be there. You'll be there. And they still wake up occasionally, but they're solid enough that I can just go in and if they yeah. even need anything, I can get them back to bed. Yeah, quick Unless little soothe. Sick, that's mm -hmm. So how much sleep do you get, Erin, as a mom, busy mom of three? I get a series of naps, I call them. Oh, and no. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I change my perspective. If I get a good hour nap in the day, I call that a win. So if I get two hours at night, that's extra good, right? Um, but there's several two hours over on repeat. So, yeah. so what do you recommend for, for moms? Yeah, so they need to sleep. it's so difficult, oh. and I do love it if if dads take some of those wakings that do happen at night if they can, do the the check right the middle of the night check, and letting you sleep in sometimes is wonderful. That's really great, and I think what moms do also is they wake up at in night and they do the check. You know, they're making sure that all three of them are okay, mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes your brain starts to go. And I think we were going to talk about adults. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. So I can talk about how to quiet your mind at night. Wow. So falling asleep definitely is the pr isn't the problem. When you said takes five minutes or less, that's me. Because you're sleep deprived. Yes. <laughs> but then we're back up again. That's right. We'll talk about how to get back to sleep. So we're mm -hmm. going to go to a quick break here, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about adults and sleep issues because. Uh, almost all my patients, I would say, oh, I'd say 75% of them suffer from sleep, trying to fall asleep. Well, a lot of them can fall asleep. It's staying asleep and then waking up exhausted. And we'll separate, you know, definitely we have those who have sleep apnea who struggle with that. But the ones who travel a lot, who can't shut down their minds, I mean, I'm the one who refills their sleep meds. What do you do? And then you have high-dose sleep meds, and then you're, you're stuck on those. So uh, stay tuned. We've got a quick break, and then come back to Dr. Connie's house calls where we're interviewing Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, who is a sleep psychologist and author of the book, Become Your Child's Sleep Coach, which is out on Amazon. For those of you who would like to order a copy, go on Amazon and please order a copy of her book. It's a wonderful advice book, guidebook for parents of school-aged children, but also if you have a friend who's struggling or if you're a pediatrician out there, it's a book to share with your patients. So stay tuned on House Calls.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I'm very grateful to have in studio Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, who I had the pleasure of meeting at Harvard during the writing course for professionals back in June, which is an amazing course. And Dr. Schneeberg has published her book about Become Your Child's Sleep Coach. So in the in the past 20 minutes, she was talking to Aaron Stevens in studio with us about some struggles with baby Aubrey, who's 10 months old, and trying to get her to sleep. And and Dr. Schneeberg was going over her five tools to do that. And she's a child psychologist, sleep disorder expert. But I, I want to talk about adults because I have, as an internist, my patients, a great majority suffer from sleep disorders. I mean, I have a certain segment who have sleep apnea. They use the mask. They go undergo formal sleep study. But what do you do with people who just really have a hard time falling asleep and then staying asleep? So those are two parts of it. What yeah. do you recommend? So common. So the practice standard for people with insomnia, which is defined as trouble falling asleep at least three nights a week for three months or more, and daytime consequences, as you talked about in your intro. So you have some 
trouble in the daytime with fatigue and focus and energy and irritability and those things. The practice standard for treating insomnia is called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. It's abbreviated CBTI. And anyone really now can go and look for that as their main treatment source. So you can contact any large sleep center, any large sleep center near where you live has to have a sleep psychologist like me on the staff in order to be accredited. So they definitely will know of someone who knows how to treat insomnia with cognitive behavioral therapy. And then more and more now there are apps, of course, because of course there are <laughs> apps for that. And there's one that was developed um, by the VA called CBT Coach. It's free. It's on everybody's phone on the App Store. Um, and there are some ways that you can teach yourself how to do it. There's some great books out there on cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, so there definitely is help out there for people without meds. And usually what people do, like me, who treat adults with insomnia, is we don't say, I'm going to take you off your meds day one. Mm -hmm. We say, I'm going to teach you how to ride the bike, and then I'm going to take off your training wheels later. Oh, good. Good yeah. way to do it. Mm -hmm. So what kind of things do you, for cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, what kind of things do they anticipate that you learn? Yes. So the, I always say there are two pillars of that treatment. The first of that is called sleep scheduling and that means that you have to pay pretty close attention to whether or not your bedtimes are really similar night to night and whether your rise times are really similar mm. night to night and that's job one because a lot of people get up one time on work days and then up to gosh three hours at, at or more yeah. hours later on the weekend and you really don't want to do that your body loves a very consistent bedtime and a very consistent rice so time. what's a good time to fall, go to sleep yeah well some people in their 50s 60s or more what do you recommend so some people are night owls and yeah. some people are larks so it does vary but let me take a typical person who might go to bed around 10 or 11 who might get up around six or seven keeping it really tight like that you know, within an eight-hour window, we call it, is perfect. Mm, mm -hmm. And then the second pillar that I would say uh, of that treatment, it's called stimulus control, but what it really means is how do I use my bed? What do I use it for? And a lot of people who have sleep issues begin to use their bed for a place to worry, a place to be frustrated, mm -hmm. a place to eat, mm -hmm. a place to use their laptops and mm -hmm. their devices. Mm -hmm. And so you really want to keep your bed as a place really only to be intimate, mm -hmm or to sleep, mm -hmm. and then again, I'm gonna be a broken record, to read until you're drowsy enough to fall asleep. I was just thinking about the sleep this, this past week because I'm moving into a condo, and I ordered a new bedroom set, and now I had to get a mattress. Is there a particular mattress that you recommend? I mean, Not so uh, much. You'll definitely find a lot of people trying to sell yeah. you a fancy oh, mattress, yeah. but um, my favorite thing is whatever mattress you like, firm or soft, and then a two-inch memory foam topper. Mm. And I love that because a lot of people have an arm or a hand that will fall asleep at night, or they have a little shoulder pain or joint pain, their hips might hurt. And if you have just that little bit of memory foam, I think that people wake less. Mm. I wake less now that I got one. So I think that's a great investment, about two, three-inch memory foam topper for any mattress. So for falling asleep, what kind of advice do you give adults who have want to have healthy sleep hygiene? What kind of recommendations do you have? Yeah, so there are some similarities with kids. So right. having a routine, having a buffer zone between work and sleep, trying not to check your email in bed, <laughs> trying not to clear off the notifications. So really having something that you do every night 
I love it if there are four or five steps because then your brain recognizes it as a sequence, right? So four or five steps to get ready to go to bed and then landing really in the bed, maybe with a, a nice warm beverage that you like, maybe some chamomile tea or herb tea and then your book and then reading until you're quite sleepy. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll put the book down and your brain will say, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, it's fine to pick your book back up yeah. and read it some more. And now that leads me to want to talk about middle of the night wakings. Right, right. So there's a little rule of thumb. And, and again, in CBT for insomnia, if you're sort of tossing and turning more than twice, you should probably read again. And I really don't mind if people stay in bed to read as long as it's not a two-hour waking. Most of us, if we switch our attention back to a book again for even five or 10 or 15 minutes, we'll be back out again quickly. You know, do, I have patients who want to get up and eat. Is that a no-no? That's would, terrible, terrible because yeah. your stomach has a clock. All right. your organs we've learned have clocks. And your stomach will start waking you and say, hey, isn't this when we have grilled cheese? <laughs> <laughs> so don't get up and eat, guys. Don't. Don't get Just up Just have and eat. water. Have oh, a great bedtime snack. Right. That's fine with me. Okay. And water. And then if they go to the bathroom, try to go back to sleep. What if they have trouble just going back to sleep? You try again. Try yeah. to read your book. Yeah, I always say if you've asked yourself twice if you should read, you should read. Now, people who sleep, you know, three dog night, people sleep with their dogs or their pets. Do you recommend that? As long as the dog doesn't wake them, that can be really comforting, actually. That can be another kind of sleep onset association for, for people. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some dogs that aren't so great to sleep with because they, you know, they move around too much mm -hmm. or they jump up and down. So those maybe aren't the best. But a lot of people really enjoy sleeping with their pets in the bed and they're fine they sleep all night some people have better dog sleep their dogs sleep better than they do <laughs> now for people who travel what do you do yeah. like when you go overseas do you recommend any sleeping pills or what, what do you recommend I don't really recommend any sleeping pills but when you land at your new location there are four things that you can do in the morning that set your clock to the new time mm -hmm. and the four things you can remember them by the mnemonic calf c-a-l-f like uh -huh. a baby cow uh -huh. and those are caffeine activity light and food okay. you do those four things at the new location location every morning at the same time that's a really quick way to reset your clock healthily you know naturally right. to, to, to do it naturally instead of trying to do a sleeping pill and then we've had so many problems with sleeping pills people who take that they don't remember they did things they ordered food they ate <laughs> These things went online. They drive cars. They drive, I have somebody who did that, yep. was driving her car yes. uh, under it's the terrifying. influence. And it's terrifying. And they have no memory. It's because you don't really get REM sleep. The other thing I see in my patients who love their glass of wine, yeah. can you share about what alcohol does to REM sleep? I know. It fragments and lightens, we call it, right? Yeah. So it puts you to sleep for sure. Yep. People are self-medicating, really, right? And then the second half of the night, though, their sleep is going to be lighter and just worse in quality. They're going to wake more often, and their sleep, their deep sleep, is really not going to be so. And I great. usually tell them, don't, don't have that. I know, even though you want a glass of wine, it's like, no, that's 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 going to really mess up your sleep, and they don't believe that. I said, give it a try. It's true. Seven o'clock, you can have your glass of wine, but you know, within three hours of bedtime or so, it's better not With to that. have. What other routines do you recommend? Do you take a warm bath? Do you, do you ever recommend melatonin? I mean, any? Sure, yeah. So a warm bath, if, you, if you've ever been in a hot tub, you know this. Mm -hmm. If you heat your body, then you get really sleepy. Mm -hmm. So it's fine to take a warm bath or a shower before bed, um, maybe about an hour before bed. And then as your body cools, it gets sleepy. 
So for the temperature, that's something I, I, I try to do in my bedroom yes. is what's the ideal temperature for the bedroom? Very cool. Like how many? 68. So 68 degrees. Is Keep it cool. sort of thought to be yeah. a nice, a nice temperature. Why mm -hmm. is that? You're, you, um, you heat up at night. So if your bedroom's already cool, then you can just manage it with blankets. Mm -hmm. But we all get a little bit hotter. So what do you do with women who go through menopause, who get that hot flash and they throw the sheets off and they disturb no. their husband? I was going to say, and they have a bed partner who, yeah. 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 So natural fibers, layers in the bedding, mm -hmm. a fan that you could turn right on, mm -hmm. ice water by the bedside, all those things. It, you know, it's difficult, but it's manageable. It's manageable with that. Mm -hmm. Other things that you recommend for for a great night's sleep? There yeah. you go. Is it is it the is it the sleep pillow? Is it this? I mean, for because that's important. People advertise this huge industry. It's how do I, you get that great night's sleep? I think it's back to the basics. I yeah. think it's having really consistent bedtimes and rise times. Exercising sometime during the day. Exercise is fantastic for sleep. But you don't do it right before bedtime, do you? Correct. Three hours or more. Okay. Three to six don't hours. Do it. So I shouldn't get on my Peloton. Three hours <laughs> darn. Okay. No, and some people when they wake up at night they go get on their peloton which is oh. a terrible idea oh. <laughs> terrible idea but yeah exercising it fatigues you and it reduces stress and it heats your body so when you have that cooling effect you get sleepy so those and then having a routine and then reading a book when you can't sleep those would be the basics in in my opinion are you doing research right now in your in your field? Are you? I myself am not. You're, you're, you're clinical, straight clinical. But what do you teach your, your fellows? What I, kind of things do you teach? Yeah, them? I teach them how to treat insomnia. Because again, there aren't enough people who know how to do that. And they're going to run into that if they do sleep medicine, of course. They're going to run into a lot of patients who would really love to manage their insomnia without using pills. Because yeah, having nine years at the White House, three presidents, you, you, we all lived under insomnia, especially whoever the president was. The majority of them don't sleep. That's so true. Are there people who ha don't require a lot of sleep? Do mm -hmm. you see that? Yeah, what? there's something called a short sleeper. Yeah. And those folks can get along on about five hours. Well, uh, don't. but most of us are not those people. Right. So right. seven to eight hours is, you know, considered to be the most typical number. But sleep's on a bell curve like everything else. Some people need less, some people need more. Well, how about napping for adults? Do you recommend that? Yes, napping is absolutely fine, as long as it's short, about 30 minutes. Like quick nap. Yep, and at the time you mentioned at the top of the hour, around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock is perfect. Siesta. <laughs> yes, a siesta. Our, our bodies seem to sort of expect one because right. we do have a release of melatonin in the afternoon. And as long as you don't sleep more than 30 minutes, you don't get that really uncomfortable groggy feeling. Mm -hmm. Have you ever slept too mm -hmm. long? You feel hungover after yeah. that. Sometimes you can't even remember who you are. Yeah, you know, you wake up, you have to completely feeling. reorient yourself. Yeah, horrible yeah. feeling with that. So a brief short nap is, is really great. I'm trying to think other things. You've, you've answered a lot of our questions with that. Mm -hmm. uh, things that you recommend overall really have been just setting a good routine. Absolutely. With, with that. And don't forget about sleep apnea for adults. A lot of people think snoring is no big deal. It's kind of mm -hmm. funny. People, mm -hmm. people laugh about it. Mm -hmm. It's not funny. Mm -hmm. It's not funny if you're pausing right? And in your breathing. breathing. And it's not funny if you have any cardiac history. So if you have high blood pressure or something, you know, you've had any sort of cardiac issue, you absolutely need to get treated for sleep apnea. I always say to people, it's one night out of your life 
right? It's really worth it to figure out if you have sleep apnea right, because for sleep it's so study. treatable. Because we used to think people who are more prone were heavyset people with big necks. They tend to be more predisposed, but I've had very slender people with sleep apnea. So have we. And they've stopped breathing and they'll, they'll come to me and say, I'm fuzzy headed, I'm, I, I wake up, I fall, you know, I fall asleep at, uh, at the wheel of the car, which is dangerous. So scary. And we send them in for a sleep study. Do you see narcolepsy? I do, I do see narcolepsy. And narcolepsy is an interesting one because it often goes undiagnosed for up to a decade, right? And it's so treatable, it's often misdiagnosed. So we love to pick it up early. It usually the most common time would be late teens that we would pick it up. Mm. Mm-hmm. If someone does make it to a sleep center. You know, as I look at over the, the, the landscape here about sleep disorders, I see that we're going to have more people with sleep disorders because we're always on 24-7. I'm always connected to my phone. Patients call me in the middle of the night, and you're hypervigilant of that. And other than, you know, you recommend just turning off your phone, putting on on a sleep mode. I mean, you do those things with social media, you shut it down, right? Yes. And what we don't, we say to people is in 10 or 15 years, electronic devices are going to be thought of in the way tobacco is thought of now. Absolutely. You know, I think so. It's that much of a risk for poor sleep, obesity, all those things that we're struggling with. That's a whole different show, too, we'll have yeah. to talk about. But Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, thank you for coming all the way out to Arizona to be on our show. Thank you for your wisdom, helping Aaron with Aubrey's sleep issues and, and imparting your wisdom and expertise to our audience out there who, who really want to have a good night's sleep and add to the quality of their life. And again, once again, Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, author of Become Your Child's Sleep Coach on Amazon. Please get a copy of her book, uh, promote it. I, I, it's a great book, it gives you good advice. In a lot of ways, I use it extrapolated towards adults because the things you outline, the five tools that you use, you can apply to adults Absolutely. to help you to sleep well. So I wish you all well, have a great month ahead as we enter into fall and get your flu shots and get a good night's sleep. And we'll talk to you next month on Dr. Connie's House Calls. Sleep well, sweet dreams, good night. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live events.